Well, hello and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. Today we are talking about prayer and relationships, prayer as relationship. We'll see you in a moment. Hello and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. We're back with another conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. And wow, we're grateful that you're joining us for another one of these conversations. Before we get into the meat of today's topic, which is about prayer and relationships, uh, I want to tell you about our sponsor, which is the Hallow app. If you go to hallow.app slash awaken, you get a premium trial subscription of the Hallow app, which we love. We're listening to Father Mike Schmitz. It's just great. Great for your Lent. Definitely check it out. But if you go to hallow.app slash awaken, you get that free premium subscription and you also support uh, Awaken Catholic. And so we encourage you to do that. If you like what we're doing here on this show uh, and the Awaken Catholic ministry, please go to awakencatholic.org slash donate. You can directly support us there and be a, a, one of our partners in this mission of sharing truth through beauty. Uh, and whether or not that you're ready to uh, necessarily uh, donate, we nevertheless, we'd invite you to join the Awaken Catholic app. Uh, and you can get that by going to theawakenapp.io. We are a community of people trying to share the truth through beauty, to grow in our Catholic faith, to grow in our love of Christ and our service of one another. Uh, it's a great group of people. You can interact with the hosts and other members. You can discuss the topics we're, we're exploring on these programs. It's a great place, a great service, and it's also the best way to uh, get new Awaken Catholic content. So go to theawakenapp.io. I think that takes care of all the introductory stuff. Yeah, actually. So, so the app just started streaming oh yeah, yeah. live some of the episodes. So you can see the episodes live while they're being recorded. Yeah. Maybe even sometimes weeks before we will yeah. you get a little put them out to bonus the, content. The peons. You can really pray with know. us before the episode even begins. Again, it's it's, <laughs> it's a great community. Far. Check that out. So Teresa, I want to talk today about prayer and relationships. You know, what one of our or kind of our models for discussion here on Elevate Ordinary, is to take something ordinary and kind of connect it with something uh, extraordinary, some aspect of our faith, and kind of look at how they, they inform one another. Um, and I was thinking about this topic lately about prayer and relationships because a good friend of mine, a good friend of our family, uh, Brother Rex Anthony Norris, who is a di diocesan hermit for the Diocese of Maine, a diocesan hermit, that, that's a thing, no, we have a hermit friend. You've got a hermit. Mm -hmm. Do you have a hermit friend? Yeah, yeah I mean, we're pretty cool like so. that. <laughs> he uh, pointed out to me, and, and it just I'd never heard this before. I never thought of it this way. He pointed out to me that prayer is the relationship with God, and that that actually is not just his, you know, his hermetic opinion, but that it actually says that in the Catechism. And so I want to just read a bit from the Catechism right here. This is paragraph two five five eight. It's the beginning on the section on Christian prayer. Great is the mystery of the faith. The church professes this mystery in the Apostles' Creed uh, and celebrates it in the sacramental liturgy so that the life of the faithful may be conformed to Christ in the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father. This mystery, then, requires that the faithful believe in it, that they celebrate it, and that they live from it in a vital and personal relationship with the living and true God. This relationship is prayer. So, the Catechism explicitly connects um, that well, this obligation we have as Christians, or this this necessary aspect of the Christian life, which is this 
vital dynamic relationship with our God that we're called to, but then connects it that that relationship is, in a sense, prayer. Those two aren't really separate. They're kind of one and the same thing. And I got to thinking about that and thinking about um, how what we know and, and, and ex- have experienced with prayer um, tells us a lot, gives us a lot of insight into our human relationships mm. and how our understanding of human relationships, the different, you know, the, through our trials and tribulations are things that we've come to understand just living our human lives. Those teach us a lot about how we can relate to God better, how we can grow in that relationship better. So I wanted to just, with that connection that the catechism makes, I wanted to bring those two together and kind of shine a light on each one and discuss them a little bit. So. Yeah, I think particularly um, when I'm tempted to believe that God is someone who doesn't, who is just waiting to pick out my faults, mm-hmm. um, waiting to say, aha, you're prideful. Now you realized it. Grovel. <laughs> um, God has given me such a great gift in my spouse and you, because if I think about presenting my fault to you and you've, you've seen my faults in every way, shape, and form, all the shameful things. Um, but you, you, a mortal man, a man with sins, a man who is not God, when you look at me with tenderness and compassion and kind of like an attitude of, we're going to get through this. We're going to, it's okay. We're going to get through this. You know, here, your sin, <laughs> we're going to get through this. Um, those times when I am tempted to despair that God like finally she finally messed up enough that I'm just going to let her go. I know that if a mortal person, my husband can be that merciful, I know intellectually, you know, this is where like the intellect helps me. Like I know intellectually that God is thousands of times more compassionate and more wanting my good, wanting me to rise up from that terrible, shameful situation or whatever. Um, So my marriage, you know, has helped me incredibly in prayer, especially when I don't, I just don't want to look at, at God, you know, sorry, was that too fast for the episode? Did we get to the meat way too fast? It's good. It's good. You know, you made me think about how, you know, on the one hand, we all know that we're, we're taught by the church, by scripture that we're made in the image and likeness of God. But maybe sometimes we don't always think about the fact that that's supposed to be an active vocation, that we are to image God to each other. We're to image mm-hmm. um, uh, God the Father to each other, his fatherliness, his mag- magnanimity, his generosity. We're to image Christ, his His self-sacrificing love, his charity, his mercy. Um, you know, actually, I was. this is a random, but it's connected here that I heard on a, a podcast lately, someone defining scandal, the sin of scandal. Mm-hmm. We, we, we use that word here, but what does it actually mean? Scandal means to do something that gives another person um, a a false image of who God is. Hmm. That's what scandal does. So if you hmm. act, if you image God in a way that makes another person have this, either a conscious or unconscious, this sense that, well, God isn't really good or forgiving, or I'm not really enough, or he's not really going to hmm. take care of me, or I, I can't really trust that things are going to turn out well. If I, if I give that person, that's, I'm causing scandal. I'm causing that person to have a misunderstanding, a misrepresentation in their mind of who God really is. 
Whereas we're called as Christians to do the opposite of scandal, which is to give a true, the, the best image we can in our example of who God really is. And so, again, relationships in so many ways are, are ways that we, we do encounter that and we show that and we experience that. Certainly in family life, you know, uh, in so many ways. I mean, we have kind of the theology of the body sort of way where there's there's the lover and beloved and the and the fruit, you know, or the, mm-hmm. the love between them kind of a kind of a deal. But, you know, in, in terms of the specific topic of prayer and relationships, you know, I, I just find it really um, fruitful for my reflection in looking from one to the other in, in this connection. You know, I, one thing we've talked a lot about here, you know, Teresa, is the sort of this quantity and quality time mm-hmm. dynamic, you know, that there's oftentimes there's emphasis in relationships. I need to have lots of quality time. We need to more, have more quality time. We need to get more quality time. We need to give more quality time to our kids. And what do we mean by that? We mean kind of this carefree timelessness, this real presence, this looking, looking into each other's eyes, you know, really being fully there and present to a person. And, and I don't say that um, flippantly because I don't think those things are true, but we all know that we can have that ideal, but it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to find the time. Even when you're in the presence of another person, it's sometimes hard to be present. Um, and a dynamic we've talked a lot about is how you, you, you can't pursue quality time to the detriment of quantity time. It's, it's actually the quantity time that opens up um, the avenue for quality time. You just need to be with people. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to put it in that time first, just being around each other, just living life together. And then it's within that quantity time that you find those, those moments of, of real connection. Yeah, I think about that sometimes in terms of parish life. Yeah. Like, you know, we've we've both worked in parish capacities before, and you're thinking, like, why does it work sometimes mm-hmm. with some groups of people and then with other groups of people or other programs or whatever? It just doesn't work. And I, I remember realizing at one point that, and I mean, this isn't the end-all be-all for parish life, but just that quantity time. Yeah non-program time is absolutely necessary to building vulnerability and friendship. You can't just have 60 women show up at the Bible study each week and expect that they're going to have meaningful, deep relationships that are going to go into their regular life because at the Bible study, you come with your best and you come on game and you do your homework, you know, Um, and that's not reality. Yeah. You know, and so then it's kind of scared to let you you get a little scared letting people in when you're always quality timing it. You know, you need the quantity time. You need showing up at someone's house when they're yelling at their kids or, you know, whatever's going on where you you enter into their reality situation and you love them or they love you in your reality situation. Yeah, that's so good. So, Teresa, Mm -hmm. apply that to your spiritual life. Apply that to your prayer life. life. What's the analogy with that what you that scenario that you just kind of walked us through? Yeah. So as a mom now, I, I know I talk about this a lot. We have five kids. Um, oldest is not yet 10. Um, so I don't, I went from having a life of being able to do as much spiritual and liturgical stuff as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And I packed it in there and I did all of the things. Um, and I don't regret that at all, but when motherhood, I got a lot of, I got a lot of quality time. Um, but now, oh, this is, I'm glad you asked me this question. So now as a mother, I have fewer moments of silence, of quiet. And even when I do have silence and quiet, mm-hmm. I'm still like, and I, I'm sure other mothers can recognize this. Like you go to, to have a quiet mass <laughs> and you're still just kind of like, you're practically Detoxing shaking from, and yeah. it gets you to like the end of your adoration hour. And you're like, Oh, finally I can be with our Lord. And then 
you got to go back to the babysitter, you know, and to the chaos. And I, I, when I started to give my tiny amounts of time, whether it be in the shower while I'm shampooing, you know, or going to the bathroom because it's the only quiet time I ever have, you know, or something, something very small or like, I'm just going to say the Angelus real quick. I'm going to close the door to the bedroom, hope nobody falls off of anything while I'm in there taking this time for prayer. And what I noticed is that when I gave the times of prayer, not always, I've, I began to have an increase in what, I mean, I don't know if this is the right thing, right word to say it, but like an increase in either consolation or mystic encounters with God where it wasn't just me praying anymore. It was truly like God taking advantage of that tiny sliver of time I have given him. And he gave me a revelation to my personal self, what I needed there in his faithfulness. Um, so I, I spend a lot of quantity time in my vocation. <laughs> like yeah. dripping with kids and yeah. husband and dog and house and laundry and yeah. cooking and stuff. Um, but God, when I give him those tiny little moments, mm-hmm. he's able to, he's able to make the quantity yeah. out of it because he's another person. Yes. He's another person. This isn't, I, I hear people say um, in marriage prep, like, Oh, marriage takes three, mm-hmm. you know, like there's three people in your marriage and God is one of them. And when I hear that, I think to myself, that's nice symbolism. Like we're kind of just, we're going to leave room for God, you know, I'm sorry. I just got to look at myself when I did that. <laughs> and I looked like one of those like 50 year old chastity speakers who's trying to look cool to the kids. <laughs> look I cool look like I'm sure the kids all think you look quite cool. So, okay, leave. <laughs> That's where we were. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's real. Mm-hmm. He's not a pretend person that I leave a pretend space for at my dinner table. He's a real and active person in our marriage whose voice I can recognize, whose discernment and whose peace is something that is as tangible to me now in our sacrament as you are. So I don't know how that ties into anything that well, we're talking there's, there's about. So, so, many, so you so, make this work. No, it's so good. There's so many <laughs> threads here because again, that, that's what I, I find this to be such a, a fecund connection here, a fruitful uh, mental connection between uh, prayer and relationships uh, and prayer as our relationship with God, because uh, we see so many connections between our, our struggle, our, our, you know, our journey of, of improving our, our human relationships, our relationship as, as a couple, our relationship with our kids, our relationship with family members and friends, with our prayer life, especially if we, especially if we acknowledge the breadth of that term prayer. You know, I think one, one thing that we can fall into in our relationship with God is only, again, thinking that prayer, the engaging in this relationship with God, is only one very specific kind of thing, one very specific kind of quality time. Like, oh, so only if I can go to mass or only if I can go to adoration mm-hmm. or only if I'm having this really intense experience of God's presence. Well, you know, no. Um, what we're ca- actually called to as Christians is for, is for those in- specific instances of liturgical prayer uh, and prayer of the presence of God that, you know, those moments that God gives us, those are to spill out and make all- Increasingly, our whole life is to be a prayer. In other words, to really live in the presence of the real person of God, no matter what you're doing, so that everything you do is a prayer. Mm. I mean, again, taking it back to relationships, okay, 
Sometimes we sit and talk. And sometimes we need to. Sometimes we don't need to. Sometimes we just be together. While and eating that, chicken wings and watching <laughs> The Office. <laughs> well, sometimes we do that kind of prayer too. I'm not sure how that exactly translates to God. But, <laughs> but the, no, the point being, yeah, that... that um, like sometimes when you go to adoration, like you, sometimes people are intimidated by going to adoration of the blessed sacrament, you know, going. So mm-hmm. this is a, you know, a thing for Catholics. We go uh, in before the Eucharist, which we believe is Jesus Christ, truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity. The bread at church. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Sorry. It's I Jesus. just, I want to take it down to the lowest level after the priest consecrates. <laughs> <laughs> lay it out. Lay it out. We believe that it is Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity. So we worship. We worship it. Yeah. We worship yeah. him. Yeah. And so we have this practice of adoration, which is outside the context of mass. We go and simply uh, pray in front of the blessed sacrament. But some people are intimidated by that because when they hear, oh, go and pray in front of the blessed sacrament. What do I, a holy hour, that's what we call it. We go do a holy hour. Well, a whole hour. What, would I, what am I going to say that whole time? How do I fill up that whole time with talking? especially when God doesn't usually audibly talk back to us. Um, well, that is the thing is you don't have to go and say anything. Just go sit and be with God. Like that's enough. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because you, he, he is another person. Yes. And his yeah. presence does. When you do that, I did a lot of that in college when I would get off of work at the bar and it'd be really late and I'd be really tired and I'd been on my feet all day yeah. and I would just go to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel and it was a really, it was close, very, very close to the chair, the tabernacle was, and I would just sit. And over the course of weeks, months, it became really apparent to me, to my senses, that there was another person there. And I didn't do anything but just sit exhausted and maybe say hi, you know, or something like that. I didn't pray. I just sat. But the presence, the actual presence of God became so tangible to me. You know, that's interesting. I I didn't realize. Not sure if I've acknowledged that before. That there's a connection between our two spiritual journeys, our two stories. Mm. You know, because I, I went when I went through kind of my my period of doubt and, and diff, wrestling with my faith a little bit during my teen, teenage years. My journey ended up being a very intellectual one. Like I got into philosophy, and I wanted to I wanted to really understand what it meant to have faith in God. I wanted to know, you know, was believe was knowing that God exists was that a point of faith or is that something we can come to know through our reason to be sure about, you know, so many questions around that. So it ended up being a very intellectual journey and the intellectual journey read, led me all the way up to the edge of faith in Christ. Like I really came to believe um, through my reason, through my exploration of the world and of, of my, of my life and of, of, of the reasons of the nature of the universe that God existed and that Jesus had existed and that he had claimed to be God and that he had formed this church and this church had persisted through the centuries and in many miraculous ways. And now was presented to me and led me all the way up to that edge of then, okay, but then can I, can I put my faith in this person, Jesus Christ? And the last leg of that journey for me was simply uh, many uh, hours spent sitting with Jesus in the, in the chapel, just being with God. And again, I, I wasn't sure if I knew how to pray. I was still trying to figure that out. Like, what does it mean to have a relationship with this God? And so I, I sometimes I would use words, but sometimes I would just be with God. Uh, and that's how I, I came to know God. I came to have a relationship with God. I came to have the sense of God's presence and uh, as an active di- dynamic person in my life. But again, 
taking it back to relationships, like, and we, we, <laughs> the, the quality and quantity time stuff, how do you get to know people? Mm-hmm. Sometimes if we put too high of a premium on this quality time with people, we don't put in the quantity time, just mm-hmm. being with them, just sharing life with them. You know, I, I think I do this with the kids a lot. Like I, I want to sit down and have a profound conversation with them. Like <laughs> I have something I want to teach you about son, you know, and, <laughs> and like, he's just not there for it because up to that point in the day, we've been fussy and I haven't been listening to him. And we haven't been spending time together. And now I'm expecting to suddenly have, you know, this perfect quality time with him. Mm-hmm. It's silly. No, I, I need to put in the time of just being with him, having fun with him, laughing with him. And it's in the context of that quantity time as a family that we have these moments, you know, where the, the kid sort of reveals his or her heart to you or something like that. You know, that's, I think that teaches us a lot about our spiritual life with God because God is another person. Um, I'm going to read another bit for the catechism here. Um, so this is um, talking about uh, different kinds of prayer. Broadly speaking, this is paragraph 2699. The Lord leads all persons by paths and in ways pleasing to him. And each believer responds according to his heart's resolve and the personal expression of his prayer. However, Christian tradition has retained three major expressions of prayer, vocal, meditative, and contemplative. contemplative excuse me. They have one basic trait in common, composure of heart. This vigilance in keeping the word and dwelling in the presence of God makes these three expressions intense times in the life of prayer. So, Vocal prayer, and that would include, I think, like our liturgical prayer. You know, we're saying the things we're supposed to say. The church gives us these beautiful words, these calls and responses, you know, the these um, routines and rhythms of word and gesture with our body that we that we run through. And we're those are as Father Jeff Walker uh, on the Men's Show likes to say, uh, the mass mass is meant to be not. Um, uh, Oh no, dead air. Uh, no, uh, it's uh, what is it? Sorry, no pressure. Ex- no pressure. Oh yeah. Okay. The the mass, as, as Father Jeff Walker on the Men's Show likes to say, uh, the mass is not meant to be expressive. I don't go there to express myself. It's meant to be impressive. It impresses itself upon me. The mm-hmm. words, the mm-hmm. gestures, mm-hmm. the the doctrine and teaching that are baked into it. It's impressive. So that's vocal prayer is necessary because it, it's kind of like the quantity time of our time with God. It's where we, we, we go through the motions, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Our heart may not be in a particular day, but we show up and we say the words and we listen and we respond and we kneel and we stand and we kneel again and we do the Catholic calisthenics. Um, but what that's proceeding towards is, is, is our heart, that being impressed upon our heart um, so that we're more open to the ultimate kind of prayer that, that it's all leading to. And that's this this contemplative prayer. That's That's where... Our prayer, our words, our gestures sort of fall away and we just are in the presence of God and he, and he does something. He speaks. His, he makes his presence known. He impresses himself upon our heart. And, and in that time of contemplation, you are fully receptive. Yeah. Like there's a two. There's two. It's mm-hmm. not just. And I think that many times it does come from grace. The fact that you're open and receptive. But in those times of contemplation, he is revealing. But you are fully receptive. Yeah. Um, so I wrote my master's thesis on Marian apparitions. I, I went to a secular school, Bowling Green State University, and I kind of became known as like the Marian apparitions girl, like Mary saw, or somebody saw Mary in a tortilla chip, call Teresa. <laughs> and you're like, thanks <laughs> I'm like, guys. I'm like, that's not, 
Oh, uh, well, sure, whatever. <laughs> I guess that's what how, how people think those things happen. But for those of you who don't know, Marian apparitions are these phenomenon in history um, where Our Lady, the Mother of Jesus, appears full body as if, you know, I'm standing here in front of you, two people. Um, and they've happened all throughout history. The first instance was like in AD 40, you know, so maybe it was a bilocation. Maybe Mary, Mary wasn't even dead, but she was appearing in Spain to St. James greater. I don't know. St. James, <laughs> um, you know, all the way up to our present times. And so I chose to write my math. I had had my conversion. I was studying Abraham Lincoln, who I still dearly love. Um, but I had chosen to change and do the history of the church and to write my master's thesis on Marian apparitions. And um, I got some backlash from secular people, but I got a lot of backlash from Christians um, because they would ask why when Jesus has come, why would our lady need to appear and why would she need to appear so many times? Why is it necessary? Why does God see it necessary that she comes? And after a while of just contemplating this question that I would get a lot, it occurred to me, like I really tried to feel it because again, I have no interior monologue. I, I get a lot of impressions and then I try to put those impressions into words. And it occurred to me that like God is father, God is male. And sometimes it's hard to submit yourself to a man, you know, especially if you're a man or you have issues with authority or you, you know, we're all broken people, but everyone knows who a mother is. Even if you didn't experience what a mother should be in your life, you know what a mother should be. You see it in nature. You see it in natural human relationships. And when you can't submit yourself to a male authority, to a man, like a mother melts even the, the, the hardest of hearts. You know, that relationship, that natural relationship that God gives us a mother is how he, he you know, he will do anything yeah. <laughs> to get us. Um, I really think it's a way that he melts hearts so that we are open to him and we can trust him. Well, that's where we begin the episode, too, about how again, our relationships and even our archetypes of human relationships, fatherhood, mm -hmm. motherhood, God has given us those to teach us something about him. You know, and so, and then he gives us uh, in Mary, gives us this motherhood par excellence, you know, that we, we receive, you know, I, I, to kind of bring this in for landing here, I, I want to ask you the audience to reflect and to share us, share with us um, your thoughts on these, but we'll reflect on these as well. So the question number one is, you know, um, in your human relationships, your marriage, your family, your friendships, especially when you're busy, especially when it's hard to carve out the quality time that your heart longs for, how do you build those relationships? Like what are some of the things you do um, to carve out time for those relationships, um, both in terms of the quantity and the quality time? Like what, what are some of the things you do, especially when that's difficult, at difficult parts of life, stages in life, busy vocations? Mm, like and, that, that Leah Labresco episode. Yeah. Do something that you do alone with other people. That's a, yeah. So if I'm cooking or if I'm preparing a huge batch, 20 freezer meals or whatever, whatever it is that moms do, we fold laundry, yeah. <laughs> get together and have a laundry folding party yeah. or do something that you, the habit that you already have includes somebody else in it. Nice. 
that takes no additional time yeah. out of your day. Yeah, we have, I think, lots, lots of examples from our life. We, we're we blessed to be able to, both of us spend a lot of time at home. We homeschool the kids, you know, and not everybody can can have has the same model, but we all have to figure out for our life, how can how can our family spend a lot of time together, you know? And again, not putting too much of a, a premium or expectation on the time, you know, to make dinner together, to do the dishes together, to do the yard work together, doing things, as you said, that would be separate, doing them together. That's that quantity time. That's that mm-hmm. showing up and being with someone that paves the way for a greater self-revelation, a greater intimacy, but that, that, that step along the way. And so that, that's the first question. And we'd love to hear your thoughts and your ideas about it. How, how have you um, worked that out in your life? What are your, some of your tips? But then question number two is, again, relating that then to prayer. How do you do that um, in your relationship with God? You know, when prayer is difficult, when you're a busy, flustered, anxious person, you can't, you know, flip a switch and necessarily be uh, contemplative sitting on a, on a mountain, you know. In, no, you have to. How, how do you begin to carve out the quantity time for God um, and then and, and to keep God with you, to, to live your life more in the presence of God so that you're open more to that, again, that contemplative prayer, that presence of God that he wants to give you. So mm-hmm. we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Tracy, do you have any thoughts on that? I always have thoughts and a great willingness <laughs> to give all allowed. advice to all people all the time. <laughs> think what you would think uh, uh, separately together with me. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first, find the time of day when you're most able to engage in mental prayer and somehow add time to that. So, for example, like if you can get up 15, 20 minutes earlier, if you're just a morning person and yeah. it's easy for you to be mentally clear in the morning. For me, that's I mean, that's when it is. That's when the kids are not with me <laughs> and nighttime. I'm just too darn tired to even think straight. And all I want to do is watch TV. Um, so morning is my time. Another thing that I do is I set an alarm for I call it my Hail Mary alarm. And I set an alarm for a specific time during the day. And during that time, like I have a special ringtone for it, like it's a beautiful Ave Maria. Um, And uh, I just stop. I take that little like mindfulness moment, like where you just stop and you're like, okay, we're all going to pray now. And then we pray. And then life kind of continues at a different pace after that, because you've had that like mindful pause coming to your senses, as you like to say, you know, being present in the moment. You know, in that Mm. section we read earlier, that was great, Teresa. Um, oh, thanks, babe. No, it's <laughs> you made me think of one of the quotes they they include there. Uh, I think this is from Therese of Lisieux, that um, she writes: "Prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God, or the requesting of good things from God." Um, and it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about not getting caught up on a too narrow a definition of prayer. Prayer is any time that you're raising your heart and mind to God. Any time you acknowledge that. God is real and he's present. And whatever I'm doing right now, I'm doing in his presence. And, I, and I'm, I can invite him into that. I can do that with an awareness that he's there, even if I'm not saying anything. That's a form of prayer. It's a powerful form of prayer. So I mean, some of my, the ideas that came to my mind, you know, I, we like to practice the, the heroic minute, which is that, you I know. I don't like to practice well, that. Well, <laughs> when the alarm goes off, you know, try to get into the habit of, first of all, um, winning that first moment of the day by actually getting up and not hitting the snooze button. But the very next moment, um, turn your, the attention of your heart to God, acknowledge that he's there, that this day is for him. 
to begin that begin the day with this moment of prayer, even if there's no words exchanged. Uh, just just be aware of God's presence. Begin the day there. So that's that's a good one. Um, I think you know what you were saying about uh, the time for um, mental prayer, the time for specific prayer in your day. One of the most important things is simply to have that plan. Um, don't worry about the quality of that time. Mm-hmm. Don't worry what you're going to fill it with, and don't worry about it being necessarily long enough. If it needs to start with one minute, if it needs to start with five minutes, then so be it. But make it planned. Uh, and make a commitment to it, and get back and get back to it, even if you if you miss it or it gets messed up. I just went back to my college days yeah. when I first had my conversion. I would literally yeah. go into the bathroom yeah. in my college, you know, whatever um, building, whatever building I was in for my classes, and I would, you know, obviously shut the door to the stall, and I would just take out my prayer book and I would say my prayers. In like I made that little toilet space. <laughs> In the most secular of places, that was my little prayer chapel because, you know, you're running around from classes to classes doing things. You know, I worked full time in school. And so it was just like I could just be quiet in that little space and no one could see me. It was like shutting the door to my, you know, to your room and praying in your corner like Jesus tells us to. So that's something that anyone can do. If you're out all day, you're at a job, you're in school, whatever, you can go to the bathroom (laughs) and you can close the door and take out your prayer book and say a prayer. Yeah. Oh, so you look uncomfortable with that. No, no. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking you about something like, else. I had some more ideas. Okay, I was like, no, well, I, crap, I, love I crossed example. the line. I love that example. No, because it's <laughs> it's precisely, as you said, applying you know that, that what makes sense to us in human relationships to our relationship with God. Do what you would do alone <laughs> together with somebody else. You know, I was standing time. and praying. I wasn't like, I was praying while I was going to the bathroom. All, everything that you do can be a prayer. You know, <laughs> Everything that you do. We yes. should end this. We should, we should land this puppy. Oh, I have I have more ideas, and I'm sure you have more ideas as well. Again, how how you bring um, quantity time uh, leading to that quality time into your human relationships and into your relationship with God. We'd love to know your thoughts about that. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of uh, Elevate Ordinary. Hope it's been edifying to you. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, as I said at the beginning, uh, I wanted to remind you again that if you like what we're doing here on Elevate Ordinary or here at Awaken Catholic, please go to awakencatholic.org slash donate and become our partner in this work of sharing truth through beauty, through the media. Uh, and also uh, download the uh, Awaken app. Theawakenapp.io is the link that you can get information about that. You can also download it from the app stores. We're a community of people who uh, are, are sharing this media, are sharing these discussions, who are challenging and encouraging each other uh, to live out the faith and to grow closer to Christ. It's a growing, beautiful community of wonderful people. We'd love you to be a part of it. So go to theawakenapp.io and also uh, download the Hallow app at hallow.app slash awaken. You get a free premium subscription to that awesome prayer app um, as well as uh, support our ministry at the same time. It's a good good thing to do. So any last words, Teresa? Nope. You look like you had something to say. No. Thank you for joining Stop us. Stop talking. We'll see you again next week. God bless you. <laughs> Bye. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. 
We here at Awaken all use Hello every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.